Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to determine what the best movie is of any given year. This is a bonus episode of 2002. Woo! I am your host, Mike. With me are panelists who will not win points because we're all just friends tonight. That woo you heard is Greg. I'm a friend to all men tonight. <laughs> and Ryan. Uh, I guess tonight I will be an enemies to all men. But every other night, friend. I, I will say if... Uh, I was giving points. I would give Ryan a point for the weird thing Greg said right there. <laughs> that creeped me out. This is the kind of friend who you don't trust to bring you a drink you haven't seen him pour. <laughs> I'm a friend to all men. Tonight. And I hang out with Queen Mab in the forest. <sighs> We're just letting our Oh, hair my God, down. Mike, and I'm so sorry. I am here on behalf of the Fug Duglies. Who are all behind me, as oh, you can yeah. see. Oh, you're the fuck, Douglas. Who are you here with, Greg? Uh, I'm here with the skinny minis. The skinny minis? They yeah. are skinny, but they are scary. Yeah, they're the little, tiny, thin gang. A and lot of times, people, when they think of someone who is small, they think of someone chubby. Mm. Not the thinny minis. Not and the thinny minis. minis are all wearing Mickey Mouse ears, but with a bow on top, yeah. so they are minis. Like, yeah. And they have the tastiest snacks. Mm-hmm. Girl Scouts Thin Mints. And, uh, okay. of course, our motto is, tonight, we're the friends of all men. <laughs> That's a, Don't trust it. <laughs> a motto that includes the word tonight is a little iffy. I'm here with the theater kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're a little too much. <laughs> and You're I see the theater kids all have the uh, theatrical poster for the Warriors painted on their face. Yeah, yes. a- <laughs> they, each one of us has the full poster of the Warriors. You're each. It's weird because your gang is each dressed as a different warrior game yes yeah so we know just kill anybody who looks like anybody who's like yeah. like a old-time baseball player yeah. that was and, my favorite one half of us showed up with glass bottles on our fingers uh, which means we cannot fight very well uh, the <laughs> roller skate people that like have to be like okay real quick let us take off our skates before the rumble starts no don't trip me <laughs> they all dress like baseball players they could have been the baseball players and they're like no not tough enough the baseball furies. <laughs> Do you guys Wait, feel dumb just standing here with baseball bats, not wearing like the whole outfit? You know, I did feel dumb. I didn't want to <laughs> say anything. But I don't want to dress like the baseball players. Let's dress like baseball managers have to do, standing <laughs> in that dugout. High pants up to the nips, <laughs> clipboard in hand. I like the gang that everyone dresses like NBA coaches, <laughs> just wearing suits. Slicked back hair. Holding clipboards. <laughs> Balding slicked back hair. You can see most of the scalp. <laughs> when the baseball furies need more guys, they have to... First of all, talk it over between each other and then go to like an old school phone and pick it up <laughs> and call for more. Where it's the one you put your face right next to the wall and you hold the duck bill looking thing up to your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> old phones are dumb as hell. Gangs are dumb. Gangs are dumb. Gangs, phones, dumb. Anti-gang podcast, right? I'm going to switch out the theater kids. I have the Crips. We're going to win this fucking <laughs> fight. <laughs> wow, you just really <laughs> upgraded. Yeah, but they're all, they all look like the Crypt Keeper. That's not... Oh, yeah, I should have said that. We're the crypts. Yeah. <laughs> With a T. It's mostly bad the puns. The crypto.com. <laughs> Still, the bloods hate them as well. Well, who doesn't? Are we past that, or if we talk shit on this podcast about crypts and bloods, will we die well as 90s kids it's never over for yeah. us the conflict yeah. will go with us to the grave which one of these very cool very dangerous gangs can't say the letter so they change the words <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think i would definitely not be that one i'm not gonna call it a bouch but I, like i will go uh to put my starter jacket on of the los angeles kings old school silver and black jersey yeah, and uh, i won't put it on because the principal's gonna get mad at me yeah man you can't wear a raiders jacket no. just walking around well they, it's because they suck and the principal had taste he was an Eagles fan. E A G L E S Eagles. What percentage, just to bring it back to Moody, Movie of the Year, the podcast that we're on, uh, 
what percentage of what we know about gangs is because of John Singleton and Boys in the Hood? Yes. Oh man, one hundred <laughs> gang it's, gangs is definitely one of those topics where I, when I was younger, I felt like I knew something about them, and then when I became just a little bit older, I was like, okay, everything you know about this topic is from entertainment, mm-hmm. and as you get older, you realize how many things you think you know something about are just everything you've ever known about this topic. Like I've never really seen a gun. Mm-hmm. Every gun I've ever seen oh, has been I'll, on let screen. Me my bag. No, <laughs> the podcast gun. You brought the podcast gun again. <laughs> But so yeah, gangs are definitely a topic like that. Like I, I just if it's not on the wire or it's, it's the wire, boys in the hood, yeah, uh, dangerous minds, high school high, don't be a menace to South Central hits. while drinking your juice in the hood. Big the one, hood. big one, yeah, definitely. And then gangs in New York, mm-hmm. 2002's gangs New York. That's the one that taught me that uh, everyone will like take the same really bright color and just sort of like tie it around their head. Look, we're blue. We got to put blue on. I well, there was less colors back then. <laughs> I don't want to give away what we're going to talk about or my feelings on this movie, but there is a way of watching this where it is as much of a parody as High School High well, or it, Don't Be a Menace. So we're talking about Gangs of New York. Don't know. Don't remember if we said that. Uh, you know what? Because it's a bonus episode and it, it's the, the, the sleepy bad job. We're all in season. pajamas. I can reveal this. Uh, we are for the first time in like a year in the same studio. That's and so true. the energy is going to be uh, like the theater kids a little too much. You're going to hear a lot of la, 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 la. that's making out. Oh, and it's, my pet pig, Babe. La, 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 <laughs> and Mike's gun that he brought for some reason. <laughs> that's what I named Babe. But that's one of the, like, like, specifically talking about the color palette, like the garish blue and the garish red. To me, that is an indication that a lot of this movie, at least in the beginning, is striving to be like, I don't know, like tongue in cheek or in the style. In of the style of, yeah. Public. I don't, I don't think there's a sense of humor or irony here that I think it desperately needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have been a far different movie, but. Uh, well, it, nobody it, making the movie thinks it's that. But if you told me there was a group in like Omaha, Nebraska, that does Rocky Horror style oh, midnight sure. shows with this, I'd be like, yes, and I will go to that. Okay, so or it's, in it's South, Car- camp. South Carolina, recreating this on the grassy knoll, <laughs> like doing recreations of this, and it's not just the. Uh, we love Scorsese here, right? We like, do. Yeah, we're we're Scors- Scorsese. What what do what do Scorsese fans call themselves? Marvel fans? We are scores of Scorsese's. No, um, we'll get there. And we'll be, we've done After Hours? Yes. That, that might be one? it. Irishman. And The Irishman. Um, two movies that I love, for sure. Like, and I someday think, we'll watch more of his movies. <laughs> um, we have time. It's not just the colors that maybe he thought, maybe he read in that book that he based this on, that like that's what happened, so I got to show it. But like gangs walking around corners while getting ready. And yeah. like their slow motion here, we're all it, gonna one at a time get into a line. Or the go. way they like show up to meetings. Uh huh. Like they like, it's so. The piggly wigglies are here. <laughs> the gangs of New York did not build New York; they built elementary schools. Yes, and that's how elementary this, schools get. I could see a an amazing episode of Recess based <laughs> on this that would fucking crush. I don't know if. I'm just going to go for it. I don't know if a movie that I've rewatched for this show has ever moved down more in my <laughs> estimation yeah. by watching it. Perfect segue, Ryan. Uh, what was your relationship to this movie before this week? I remember seeing it, and I remember the big thing was that Scorsese sort of back, and I don't know like what his IMDb says just before this, but I remember Bringing Out the Dead was just before this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was a big Nicolas Cage flop. And uh, Kandun was before this, and like is uh, one of our best gone, right? He didn't have a lot of 90s smashes i think casino early yeah early i guess early 90s is goodfellas and casino 
Casino's 95, and then after that, uh, it's a, sort of like a lot of, like, all of my pet projects are coming together because mm-hmm. I made Goodfellas to Casino. And I feel like people love, did people love Casino when it came out, or has it, like, grown in people's estimation? It wasn't a big box office hit, I don't think, but Not it's Bafo. so, it's, it, I don't know if there's a lot of boffoness, but uh, it was, it's so watchable, it's so likable, it's so quotable, that I think that uh, in its estimation, like, it is Goodfellas Jr., but why not? Like, who cares? Yeah, yeah. that's a good idea. I yeah. love James Bond Jr. as a kid. I'm gonna fucking like <laughs> Goodfellas Jr. too. Mini golf is fun. Um, <laughs> and then like he rolled that into uh, all these pet projects that uh, tanked and costly, mm-hmm. like spent so much money. And so I I think Gangs of New York was supposed to be this return, but costlier than all of them put together. Like they rebuilt. Building 1800s New York is expensive. Yes. <laughs> and did they get their money's worth? Because I felt like sometimes the sets looked really cool. Yes. But here's the problem. And it, was, it was fantastic. It felt like we were watching an old movie in even though it's when we were humans. So like this it shouldn't be an old movie. But it was great to watch people without green screen in the back. Like they're uh-huh. uh, they're in that Paradise Square right now. And I think this movie made me realize I'm pretty hard to please with this. But it reminded me a little bit of that episode of The Simpsons where Marge keeps wearing that same Chanel dress, mm-hmm. but she just like it, out near the end of the movie. Oh, so everything takes place. Here. Yeah, like because near the end of the movie, you're like, wait, like all these scenes are literally taking part on different sides of this box. Well, there's the five points. Yeah, I know, but it's a very <laughs> small area of it, and so like not to be like a a, a butthead about it, but it just like you're like okay, so it's this part of the set now and it, when you get in really tight on them like a play it's amazing yes. it, it play it very much felt like a play uh yeah it's time. all there <laughs> it's all there the entire time and i don't mean to be like so picky about it but it's just like when you can see every scene in the background like every location in the background of this one shot it made new york feel very small and that was yet another time where i was like is that kind of the point? Is New York still so small at this point that we're supposed Except to Except when uh, Cameron Diaz uh, is up uptown. Yeah. And you're like, is this eight days away? This is a different <laughs> universe. <laughs> My relationship with this movie when it first came out was like, this is cool. I enjoy this a lot. And I never saw it after the first time that I watched mm-hmm. it. And I would say within 10 minutes of it starting, I had the same feeling you did, Ryan, which is like, this precipitous drop uh, all the way to the point where I was like, this is a ridiculous movie. And then I would say halfway through it, I was like, okay. When the movie starts, <laughs> <laughs> like it is like, we could have done this in a what Star a Wars crawl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bill of the butcher's back somehow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they fly now. But uh, then I thought maybe I got onto the wavelength of the movie. Maybe it got better something happened. Maybe some of the worst actors left the movie. Um, but I, I kind of got a little bit into it, but still on balance. I was just, it feels like a big swing and ultimately a pretty big miss. I did not see this. I've seen clips of Daniel Day-Lewis looking like a badass and go, yeah. I think I would love this movie. Whoopsie daisy. I, that's a pretty good DDL. Pretty good, yeah. uh, I heard the hack tag of Cameron Diaz's accent is terrible after watching it. She was tied uh, for first and last maligned yeah. because everybody's accent sucks. It's the I can't believe it. Like there are Irish actors. I think they're making fun of movies in this movie. That's another thing. Like isn't it, acting dumb? I mean, because I just watched the the Banshees of Inchiran. Like at the time that this movie was made, a lot of those people were too young to be in it. But like 
Ireland produces actors, (laughs) and you can go out and find them. If barring that, you can get people to teach people how to do accents. Well, he found a vinyl or whatever was pre-vinyl of Walt Whitman doing a poem in the style of New York then, and went, "That's what we'll sound like then." Of everybody in New York. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, because that's how Bill the Butcher sounds to me. That well, yeah, that's Bill and his okay, crew. Yeah, and everybody else is like, I will go from the Lucky Charms uh, leprechaun to the leprechaun leprechaun. It's just maybe I heard of Irish once. Cameron Diaz, her thing is sometimes she forgets. Yeah, I just know it. There's times she just where, shouldn't, and it's, she shouldn't. She's so pretty. But I, for I, her, I, I do think sexism exists. Uh, for her to get <laughs> shit on and Leo to not is horse shit. Yes, because he's maybe the worst. And I think it's just like, uh, you know, I think for any movie, any movie uh, made by a filmmaker, you can prioritize or you can see what their priorities were. And he didn't give a fuck about this. No. There's so many things. And, Mike, uh, we don't know what we're about to talk you about don't, with this movie. I refuse to reveal it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so maybe we'll get into this about the director of the film. But nope. uh, he was so <laughs> enchanted by other aspects of this movie that if you walk up there and you're like, well, 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 I am Leonardo. He doesn't care. He'll just be yeah. like, look at that ship in the yeah. background. <laughs> I, uh, I've i been into Kurosawa films recently. Right. And, oh, wow. And, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> and his movies have periods that I would say are downright boring. Uh, and I read about him that he was a painter. And then it made mm. everything make so much sense to, me, sense to me because he approaches every movie first as the sight and then the sound. And I feel like that's what happened with this movie. He like had a visual idea yeah. of what he wanted it to be, and like you said, it's almost like well, if, it doesn't matter. If I couldn't what they hear say. anything, I would be like, if this was on the yes. background at a bar, one, thank you for turning sports off, uh, and this <laughs> is dope to look at. Hey, gangs are a sport. America's a sport. America's a sport. Just but the hats. It's not the camera though. He is the master of camera movement. Like he no, invented it's set dressing. It's production yes that's what he's into here and i think that's what's so crazy he dabbled in this before uh in a movie that like went up in my estimation after watching games (laughs) of new york which is age of innocence which like that's not a marty movie right but like he was he he had different priorities for that movie but with this one like you know let's get into it we want to get into it we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna get right up in there well that is very very funny or very sad and perhaps now you have something to think about or very problematic and perhaps we have something to think about but in any event i'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to so why not check us out on the social media you can go to instagram or twitter and find us at your pop filter email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them movies after tackling new york in the 70s with mean streets taxi driver New York in the 40s and 60s with Raging Bull. New York in the 40s with New York, New York. New York of the 80s via After Hours. New York of the 50s to the 80s and Goodfellas. New York in the 90s with Bringing Out the Dead. Martin Scorsese decided to take on New York in the 1860s with Gangs of New York. Based on Herbert Asbury's 1927 book, The Gangs of New York, about the city's 19th century criminal underworld, which Scorsese had been wanting to depth since the 70s. For decades, everyone told him it would be too expensive and nobody wanted that story until a little folk hero named Harvey Weinstein got the funding. They rebuilt Lower Manhattan in Italy and cast veteran character actor Daniel Day-Lewis alongside up-and-comers Cameron Diaz and Leo DiCaprio to tell the Shakespearean-style tale of love, revenge, murder, and the fight for American democracy. Taste buds, I ask you this. We all know that this was a pet project of Scorsese's. 
What do we think drew him to it? What themes is he continuing from his oeuvre? And what fresh ones does the story allow him to take on? Other than New York, y'all, I grew up there. I, before we get into what he's continuing, because I do think that is a rich conversation, I want to get into what he's not, which is I read a book and I like the book. Yeah. I think that, like, he is not making a movie here. Like, this, mm-hmm. this harkens back to, like, not harkens back, but like this reminds me of like my feeling with like phase four Marvel movies where like you are stringing scenes together. Yes. You're like Ken Burns is a little boring for me mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have no like you have lost all sauce as far as it's uh, too characterization close to your or drama goes because you just want to see the people in the costumes do the things that you read in the book. I would be fine with that if any of this was from the book. Digging into it, yes, these gangs mostly existed. In New York? Yes, in New York. Uh, William Poole is who Billy the Butcher is based on. William Poole uh, never actually killed anybody. Uh, <laughs> what about Pig? Pig? He probably killed He pigs. killed some pigs. Yeah. Uh, he was just like a scary dude who did live in five points. Uh, the Hellcat Maggie, yes, she existed. That She had the, the shaved yes. teeth and stuff. So side characters, but everything that makes you go, uh, this sucks is from Martin and his buddies. <laughs> the uh, the thing I was like, this is so dumb as hell, it has to be true, of the army just deciding to blow up, uh, probably the Navy because they're on boats, blow up five points? No, didn't happen. The uh, the riots, not that violent. Well, it is the most violent, like, event in American history, right? Like, that was, that riot, like, killed more people than any other riot. I th- it, I the draft was... 12 the, people died. 1,200. Mm. Did we look at different websites? Take care of a couple of zeros there. Did you get? Did you go to one <laughs> website and I went to 100.com? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, I think that there is a big thing, but it reminded me of the movie um, Pearl Harbor, which mm. is like, we're going to tell this boring ass story with all these characters that don't have any characterization, but we'll put them in a historical background. And then we're, we're going to throw this thing on at the end. Like, we're just going to attach all this stuff Dude. with like no through line, which uh, historical nonfiction or even historical fiction that like try, you don't need a through line. Yeah. That's not how. And if you're, if you're thinking, oh man, a movie about gangs and about a guy who's has a new father figure who killed his old father figure. And, and it's, we were all like this and here's when it was great, man, Martin Scorsese should crush that shit. Yeah. I, I think marrying up what you both said, here's what I think he really was in love with. Not the book. He was in love with his experience of reading, reading the book. The book. Yeah. And probably what happened was, and you have this, sometimes you just find the, the right book at the right moment. And you have a very, reading for, for a lot of times, it's it's uh, an experience where you're just like going through the motions. You're getting through the story. You're trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you have these magical ones where it's like a movie takes place in your head. He saw a visual sort of like a color palette. Right. He saw a world. For me, it's always reminded me of Jacob's Re- Jacob Reese's How the Other Half Lives because he's writing around the same time in around the same area. And there is like sort of a, a, a very historical interest in seeing New York at that time. And in that way, you can be pulled away from like the duty you have right. to and tell as an a artist. Story. Also, um, you know, like, how many uh, in 2002 how many westerns did has hollywood made at this point many hundreds like 10,000 potentially yeah. like no, but i feel like right around 2002 not any for a while right correct but yeah. like here we have the wild east yeah. like right. we have a period that like nobody and, ever talks about and i'm going to do that and 
that's what he was interested in instead of what he's good at. Like no one has taken us into the dark toxicity of violent men and how disgusting they are, but how compelling they are like, th- like this person. Mm-hmm. And it's all gone here. It's yeah. just, it is, it's fascinating to be like, I'm going to tell a story in the middle of the civil war about people who do not give a fuck that the civil war is going on, except it's a minor inconvenience to what is important. That's super interesting. And I mean, he, he uses civil war to make you said like it's the the wild east mm-hmm. because ultimately isn't that what he's doing? He's making the same story that every he's ma- he's making the same point that every western does, which is that we have our little conflicts, but that they get absolutely obliterated when like the federal government right. shows up and st- and says that we're like we're at a step, and so th- his like strong anti federal government message in this I thought was really interesting because like it kind of recasts the racial violence of these riots, which he's kind of on the one hand shows as very racialized this violence. Is. He kind of on the one hand shows. Yeah. He, yeah. But doesn't he also sort of like, in a way he kind of mentions it, but then every time you see the riot, I don't know. It seems like he's moving the, the attention away from the racial aspect onto something that has more to do with like me too. Like, like Irish people also experience well, racism. That seems to be like a major all, issue. All I him. had to think is when this came out, and then I think a year or two after this, Boondock Saints came out. It had to be insufferable to fucking hang out with anybody from Boston, New York, any fucking <laughs> Irish Mick. More than it is every other day. Yes, every other point. More than every other because they, the the uh, we used to be called the N word too. Yeah. Okay, bro, that was hundreds of years ago. You gotta stop saying that. And yeah, you don't want to. Maybe even if this wasn't Scorsese's intention, you don't want to give them a movie to go to to be like, see. Right. I, and but like based on what I read, Mike, and I know it's different than yours, but based on what I read, this riot was start the the third act of the movie mm-hmm. was a draft riot of like we don't want to get drafted. But while we're getting drafted, why don't we take advantage of that and kill every black person we see? The, by the third act of the movie i was like this is your movie i no longer care about the gangs i don't know if i ever did care about your characters but i want to know what these people are going leo says like we thought we were having our little tiff but this was going on i'm like good point i'd rather have known about that the whole time and is uh jimmy uh is he a young baby barksdale from the wire is one of yes he's Leo's- once we got to there, and I, I was thinking this for a while, and once we got to the, him the getting killed. The only person of color who had six or seven lines yes. in the movie. Uh, once he was getting killed, I was like, should he have been the star of this whole uh, movie? And but see, like, that's he, the thing that Scorsese fails at here is that he will push Travis Bickle or uh, Jake LaMotta to the edge, and he will show you all of the reasons why they're terrible. And sort of make you on their side, but mm-hmm. definitely not, right? Like, they're bad people they they have caused more damage in this world than than good and he Mm -hmm. finds that interesting with this movie he's like yeah but we all love bill in amsterdam right and we don't want to show them as racist one one of the least nuanced not just scorsese movies movies we've covered on this show uh is what this felt like yeah and also like nuanced and then also like there are scenes where characters like seem to say what the point of the movie is, and I don't feel like I've seen that in other Scorsese movies, um, like that where all the rich people are together and they're like, "Well, you know, uh, you were just saying the other day that the way to control the poor is get one half of them to kill the other right. half." Dude, I don't know if you can just say that in the <laughs> middle of the movie, like, and then that's right before the riot. Or if you if somebody says that to you, then you have to go to center stage, spotlight on you, mm-hmm. and then do a little monologue about what you're going through right now. There I was, eleventh <laughs> vote. Nobody wanted me as a speaker of the house. 
Uh, well, this is fun. He is a master. I like when like titans of their art can really turn in turds. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely makes me like, I want to talk to you guys about Taxi Driver or Raging Bull so it, bad. I wanted to be like, should we stop our normal movie of the year and just do a run on Scorsese? Because like, I loved After Hours, which I know is like one of his not beloved movies. And you loved it too, right? I, I thought After Hours did pretty well on the show. I didn't, I didn't like it because there was elements about it that... that I, I didn't like, but you hate Terry Gar. <laughs> I just thought it was so male centric in a way that that just like and a Scorsese a, turned yeah. me off. But but I, here here he tried, so maybe he shouldn't fucking try because Jenny is not a great character. Is there a director that like doesn't have one to five stinkers though? It feels like you can't. They can't all be good. Is that is that a weird way? Yeah, to and I it? think that this is a really good example of. I am going. I don't think this is a swing for the fences artistically. I think this is a swing for the fences commercially. Yes. I'm going to cast yes. it with these people, and I want awards at the same. I yes. want box office and awards at the same and time. And I want yes. white people to go get riled up at the movies. Yeah, right? and I like. I I have a th- I have an end goal, which is money and awards. Right, and then I'll fill in the back. You know, of like what my other goals are, which they, they did not get filled in, as opposed to almost every other movie he's ever made, which is I have a first goal. Yeah. Whatever the end. I, I don't have, have this it. story I want to tell. I don't it, care if it makes money or wins awards. I just think anything you're obsessed with at 20 probably won't turn into a good mm. artistic well, piece. And I wonder, you know, the story is always like, I've had this movie that yeah. I wanted to make for a long time. I wonder how much that story might actually be. I had no ideas, so I went back to this one I had when I was right. like 20 years old. Because, And then you just pitch it always as I always wanted to do this, and this was my first time. And I think, because he is famously Italian, uh, he said when he read the book, he, he grew up in Little Italy. I don't know if you guys know, he's from New York. He grew up in Little <laughs> Italy, and he read Gangs of New York and went, I've never thought of other people being here before Italians. Mm. So I think why the Irish come across the way they do is because at 20, he went... Other people matter, and he, as far as he could go with that, is other white people, the right. Irish, uh, <laughs> and that's why they come off as just like they are heroes, no matter what they do. <laughs> it's interesting because I, the movie—I don't love the way the movie handles it—but the Irish in the history of America really did go from non-white to white, mm-hmm. and Italians in America really did go from non-white to white. That might be interesting to talk about, like the whiteness as a concept that has grown, and you know who is it allowed to put on that mantle and who never gets there which is i think why uh it's two cultures that have all the advantages of being white but we can still make fun of yes and it's fine <laughs> well that's mcgloin was a dead rabbit under liam neeson and then when we when amsterdam comes back as a young adult he is now one of bill's right hand man what an interesting story you mm-hmm. went you did that journey of you were not white now you're you are that's not what we're here uh, about amsterdam is uh, is almost purposefully so thin as a character yeah. because he doesn't fucking care. Also, also his name is Amsterdam, New York's New Amsterdam. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. that fucking, he was like, I'm Amsterdam. And Bill went, I'm New York. I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck you, movie. I gotta go. Are you surprised there wasn't a conversation where like the opposing gang to the dead rabbits is like, the only good rabbit is a dead rabbit. <laughs> and then the dead rabbit's like, Thank you. that's what yeah, I was, yeah, I, I was about to there's say There's a bunch that. of us here. The only good rabbit is a dead rabbit. All right, we, uh, I think we've said what we think about this movie. We're going to take a quick break. We come back, dig into a different aspect. Taste Buds, as we've said, we see a lot about race and a lot about the immigrant experience in America here. But does Gangs of New York advance the ball in these discussions? Or does it make it worse, retrograde and reactionary? Yeah, I, to me, it felt like this like kind of like 
2002 award like seeking commentary that involves race but doesn't end up being about race just enough for voters to be like okay yeah, green book without Mashali as a character in it, <laughs> like, yeah, kind of like I mean, because ultimately, I it's uncomfortable to me what he is saying, saying. about race because he's making a, it to me it felt like he's making a huge equivalence between the Irish immigrant experience and what it meant to be what it has meant throughout the history of America to be a Black American. A, a movie could be interesting if done well. Of yes, there were layers of white and unpeeling that, and Irish weren't considered white, but still. It was always harder to be black. You can't, and, and you he did not. You can't include the draft riot. I know that you need a third act, but to include the draft riot, and I know we hit a little bit of this in our previous segment, but they got pissed that they were being drafted, and they were like, well, we can't beat the army. Let's kill every black person. Because it's like, well, why are we fighting for the black people? Well, I guess we'll kill the... Like, killing the rich makes so much sense to me. And, yeah, sure. Always. That, and that did happen. <laughs> That's not shown here either. And like they burned the richest houses down. Yeah. They killed the black people. Their lives yeah. were over. But like it's that that whole thing is like uh you know, this is where we are on the totem pole and then make equivalencies. That's mm-hmm. fine, but like this is so half assed. Because you know what? I I suspect the truth really is of the, the draft riots and it's it's the same thing um that happened in the Tulsa riots. The if you're gonna tell that story you have to show how white people at that time are like coveting what little right. black Americans had and planning if anything ever goes south, this is where we're going and this is what we're going to do. Like, because a riot, when you say riot, it makes people think of everyone randomly running out into the streets uh-huh. and just doing whatever thing they first think Chaotic of. Chaotic chaos. The elephant running down the, the street, right? Yeah. But when we're talking about racialized violence as has taken place in this country several times you know several. many times one or two uh, it's more planned than the story we tell ourselves about it it is organized terror on mm-hmm. a large scale and then later we tell ourselves yeah pe- people kind of rioted last night that's not the story generality that's not yeah that's not really what happened and so he kind of like includes the occasional line that indicates that the violence is directed. Mm-hmm. But that makes people. it weirder. Yeah, but in a way it does more to occlude, I feel like, because then what we're seeing is that that's not the story we're being told. That's not at the center of the story we're being told. Well, why, as a, as the viewer, why are we being told the story we're being told? And why does the third act come in and right. seem to render all of that moot? Especially, and I don't want to ever be this guy, but it's hard not to with this kind of thing where parts of this movie are real but so much of it is not. And then the real parts are more interesting than the shit you made up. That gets harder to parse. And uh, I get what you're saying. And I know why that's weird to say. And like you do as the filmmaker or all the filmmakers, editor, writer, everyone get to pick and choose the story that you're telling. Right. Right. And so I, I I think that I'm usually the one on the podcast that like, why didn't they include that? Or why, why do you have a problem with that? Because you're not Martin Scorsese. So like you don't get that decision making, but it's it's the slight inclusion of when I need it, but like when it's convenient for me. Right. Uh, there was other years of this time to do. There was other things to do, and the way that he did it, and how devastating it was to m- more so the black people and the Chinese people of this time to just be like, but the Irish people were bummed. 
Like, yeah. that, it's it's offensive, you know? You, you could have made that movie, and then this conversation would be about, like, well, you didn't include these folks who are definitely around. But it, it is the McGloin, they're in the middle, of their gang war is about to start, and everybody yeah. knows it, between the new Dead Rabbits and uh, the Bowery Boys, or whatever their new name becomes. And instead natives. of fighting about the that, natives. the natives, McGloin is screaming that Jimmy's allowed in this church, because yeah. uh, he's black. And it, it's those those sprinklings, it's like, so you knew you should have. Right. So, yeah. yeah, like, that's just like. What have gonna, we been doing until now? Dude? I'm going to pay a little bit of dues when I need to. Right. But because the big gang fight that gets ruined <laughs> is fake, to choose to put it at the same night yeah. as those riots when they start killing all the black folks is bananas. It's like you are intentionally creating a new narrative to get attention, which it does do, right? This movie is popular. People do talk about it. And so, like. For a lot of people, the primary text they have about the draft riots is this right. movie. So it does come in, and it presents a completely new story and a completely recentered story. I wonder how many movies we have in the history of movies, not just this, like, 2002, where, like, that one black character that we had represents all so much history. Right. Yeah. But, like, we just don't... We didn't have time, and so, like, he's going to say a couple lines, and he's going to run around, and, like, he's going to be scared. He's going to kill some people. He's going to almost die, and that's all the rest of the story. Right. So we did it, right? But what a more, what an interesting story about this black dude in the five points amongst a bunch of Irish people. Why? Why are you here, Jimmy? I would love to know that guy's story. And we know he's a good actor. More than 2002 Leo is in this movie. <laughs> and I guess... I guess Martin Scorsese would say something like, "I, I, I that he is not prepared to tell that story." Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I had to include a woman. You want me to do <laughs> black people too? That was big for him. <laughs> but it, it's just, I think that it's the kind of thing. Maybe he wouldn't even question it, and that's part of the problem. Maybe he just like, like he wouldn't see what the issue is. And that's part of what the issue is, is that it's, it's an area of blindness for him. Uh, a fun critique I saw from back in the day is uh, they at least do include uh, Chinese immigrants in this movie, even though they are, they're shit on the way they were back then. Uh, but somebody was like, there was actually way more in this movie than there were in New York at this time, which is a weird, like, here's the thing I'm going to pick a historical bone with. <laughs> Too many Chinese people. Too many Chinese folks. Uh, let's pivot to other issues. We have uh, the woman... The Jenny, it's the riots, and out of nowhere, a couple decides to punch her and possibly, like, the dude looked like he was going to sexually assault her, but maybe that's just what I think when dudes start punching chicks. No, this is another time where the movie, like, it seems to, to it seems to indicate on some levels that she is potentially in danger right. of sexual assault, but then doesn't have, like, the stick to to make that what's really happening so mm-hmm. that we can then make a comment on it. It's like, if you think that's what's going to happen, then that's what's going to happen. If you think that's not what's going to happen, then I don't want to like darken your day by bringing that image. Right. Up. Plus not to change the topic from you, Mike, but it's all part of the way that almost all the violence in this movie is, which is I have a, you guys remember viewfinders uh-huh. yeah. and I have a viewfinder and I'm pulling that fucking yeah. lever as fast as fucking possible. So it's just one second of no scene gets to breathe. Right. Well, especially like, and I was trying to think of this and maybe this is very stupid to do. The riots are like midtown up because that's where the rich people live and that's the people who are dodging the draft and that's where the drafting is happening. That makes sense. For the five points, and I know riots are uncontrollable in the unnuanced way without what you were talking about then, Greg. <laughs> uh, but for them to, to come into five points in the Bowery and the Wharfs, completely different part of town, 
now you are attacking each other. And I know that's how in modern days, the right views it. Like these animals are just killing their own neighborhood. It just, I guess viewfinder is the perfect way. It just at this point is like, I have these little vignettes and I want to show them yeah. and it doesn't mean anything anymore. The it, more we talk about it, the more it seems to me that this movie just really suffers from not having much of a, a vision. Like, I, I don't think there is a central vision. Except that he, New York was older than I thought it was. Kind of. Yeah. And, and like the way he felt when he read a book, when he was a younger mm-hmm. man, but that, all of these problems are because he couldn't commit to one thing he wanted to say, one idea that was really important to him. There's a thing that I, I think we have to talk about, although I don't know how much, which is that uh, this was turned in to Miramax. And as you said, Mike, uh, sex criminal Harvey Weinstein at like four and a half hours. And mm-hmm. they said, we will not go more than like 168 or whatever right. it is. And that movie might have been good. But what we get, it, there was no Leo voiceover in that version. Nice. And there's so much weird editing and like fast forward, I'm going to cut through shit. Like, I think that they spared, like, they were like frame by frame, let's go through this and make this as yeah. fast as possible. And TV style editing when that is not the director's exactly. vision. We are, in 2002, we're already, I think, done with MTV style <laughs> editing and not wanting it from uh, Martin Scorsese. Who edited Go? Get him for Gangs of New York. <laughs> Uh, but I think that we're like we're now just like racing. I'm going to like remember how Johnny Five from Short Circuit would read a book. Oh, just yeah. like that's what we're doing with this book. And I I had no time. Anytime that we stopped, I was more pissed than when we were going fast. Like anytime I had to watch Leo and Cameron Diaz bite each other, like the that least was worse charismatic than... couple I can think of in a movie. But Two I think of the that hottest they were people of 2002. Yeah, like doing nothing for each just, other. Just. Uh... But I think that they were racing to get through all of this, and it just, none of it works. I uh, honestly, like, the more that I've sat with this movie and the more that I've talked about it with you two, I'm struggling to think of what was good about it. Right. But again, I think the set design was very nice. Yes, costumes <laughs> were good. I kind of think the design he wore at the end, Billy the Butcher. I kind of think the design of the character Billy but- Butcher was pretty good. Yeah. And I also think that sort of Billy Butcher's central ethos, I think, was ascendant in 2002 in a way that nobody like pointed pointed at in quite the way that this movie does i mean this is like proto tea party yeah like and and so in a way it does kind of like uh presage like 20 the 20 years of political history of real people acting like this and yeah and so that's kind of i mean that's kind of redeeming in a way he is openly villainous and then when they're when he's wearing, you can tell when he's in his butcher's outfit, he will murder any motherfucker. And then when he has a top hat, he'll like wink and nod at it, but be like, "How dare you be impropriety here, here in this scenario?" Except yeah. for the barber, yeah, that okay. guy. He, he wore wore the top hat and, and absolutely killed him. Yeah, he he's a showman. He knows how important it is to like and, that that politics has to also be a show. And I think this is like this is going on for sort of all of the characters, like uh, Jenny mm-hmm. Evergreen Jenny um, from the block. She you know, wearing these costumes in to do certain kind of robberies. But like, I think that all of these personas that you have is like vital to the movie. Mm -hmm. But I think that why we're not getting peak Martin Scorsese is because he did not have the audacity to make Billy the Butcher, the main character and show like really take us in. He was like, this will make more money if he's a side character and we have handsome Leo. Let me get the Titanic kid in here. Right. At first he's the enemy, then he's the spy and then he's the enemy again. And so he, he's always a little bit, a couple degrees at remove from the really toxic stuff Mm -hmm. that Billy the Butcher. But he at no point figures out Billy the Butcher. Like he does Jake LaMotta or Travis Bickle. Yeah. 
Because it's like, oh, I did that. But it's like, I don't know. I'd rather you play that tune again, Marty. Yeah. Than whatever this is. Speaking of, can we talk about the DDO? Yes. Um, I realized something watching this. Did you guys think that like maybe Marty thought somebody was too old to be in this movie? And so cast the DDL instead with the, I'm going to whisper and then I'm on a screen. No way. <laughs> and I think that, you know how like when we do impressions of celebrities, like they're so bad that you can't even tell who they are. Uh-huh. I think he's doing a Robert De Niro impression this entire time. Wow. So maybe subconsciously, but like the notes that Scorsese is giving him right. are like, if Robert De Niro could do this right now, he would, but he can't. So you're doing this. And I think it is a late 70s, early 80s De Niro performance. That's very interesting. I mean, it's it's is it Daniel Day Lewis's worst performance? Yes, I think. Because it's I, so big and broad, and I think you can't no see the depth to the character. I think that because Martin Scorsese doesn't have a vision for it, and because he he is not there's like not a reality that he ever it's, finds. What does and he need in this scene specifically? Right. Yeah, yeah I'm so, illiterate, but I also have a huge vocabulary, and I'm very philosophical. Yeah. But He's like, I don't characters. listen to anybody. Yeah, like yeah, I'm like uh, very down to earth, but I'm super fancy. He's almost supposed to be like like just like an avatar of american right that's that's it it's like we he got a british guy right Mm -hmm. yeah is he british as hell dude yeah uh to say be america right now and that's not gonna like what daniel day lewis needs is he needs to know the i think the true kernel of the character and then begin to grow the character out from there and when you say to him well there's not real that's not really there he's going to go through all the motions and that's what we see here him trying to find it scene after scene after scene his his love of liam neeson which is so interesting this i hate this guy i love him the last man with could honor have been interesting i think could have been in, yeah like you, you, you hunt for it at right. this point yeah. like oh i like that idea and then him being like here's what you do but coward step in the back and then him killing brendan gleason yeah it, the movie has no thoughts about that the movie doesn't realize <laughs> The hypocrisy of that moment. The Liam Neeson thing, like, I'm glad you brought that up because the Liam Neeson thing feels like, all right, script is done. Shit. No. Uh, <laughs> every 30 pages, write a line where Daniel Day-Lewis, I don't care what we're doing, Daniel Day-Lewis talks about how much he loves Liam Neeson. Right. Actually, I really liked that guy. <laughs> if I think about it, I did kill him, but also my I best friend. The hell out of uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, uh, talk about this movie's uh, subtlety or lack thereof. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to Pop Filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show, that's Movie of the Year, and that's YourPopFilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! Taste Buds. I think we've danced around a lot of this. Does this movie lack subtlety as an artistic (laughs) choice? 
And is it anticlimactic with the U.S. Army destroying the five points before Bill and Amsterdam can settle their war? Do either of those critiques miss the point that this movie is trying to make? I thought at first its lack of subtlety was the point. I, like America. I didn't know it was based on a book, and I got the sense that maybe there were, you know how in like the Westerns there were the Penny Dreadfuls or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah, and that's, it it's felt pulpy? like... Yeah, it felt like a pulp, a pulp version of this. So at first, I was like trying to give it a lot of credit and trying to get there with the movie. And I think that that kind of helped me through it. Uh, like uh, there was a lot of it where I made it through thinking like, oh, Scorsese saw William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Like the Baz Luhrmann yeah. version yeah, is he's trying to do stylized. it. He's making fun of Troy. But now that we have talked about it and we've aired it out for the last hour, I have to say I'm very firmly in the camp of it doesn't have much to say. It doesn't know how to say it. And when it does have a message, it's just like, shit, don't let anybody miss it. You know how you know that the movie does not digest the fact that he says, I would never stab someone in the back, and then does? Because no character comes out and goes, he said he would never stab anybody yeah. in the back, but then he did. If the movie had meant to digest that, one of the characters would have walked right the up The Tammany that. guy. Yeah. <laughs> or how about this, Mike? Um, Leo goes to jail and comes back 16 years late, uh-huh. later, or whatever it is, and then runs into the cop, who is John C. Riley. Right. Or is it? Let's flash back to in the caves and uh-huh. see that, oh, my God, that is John that C. Riley. John C. Riley. One <laughs> of the most recognizable <laughs> yes. faces in the history of Hollywood. Another interesting that we different saw 10 protagonist who went from, like, I'm part of the dead rabbits, this shit upon Irish gang, to now I'm part of the law, but I'm dirty law. What do I even believe in? Underused JCR. That could have been interesting, but it, uh, again, there was no vision behind it. Like, what did that mean? What did it? You know, I can ha- I can put my uh, watch up on the lamppost, and nobody will touch it. That could have been an epic scene, but and, the movie doesn't feel and like. And then doing there's a dead person it. there, and that's like and that's more him. like, oh, what are we doing? Like, what is this? Name? Uh, nope, we're moving on. And then yeah. we recreate the dead person scene with the uh, what's the actor's name? He he's he's in love with Cameron Diaz here. He he sells out. You don't know who that Amsterdam. is. He's the guy. He's the dad in Haunting of Hill House. Okay. Uh, but who is Evelyn? More importantly, Moody wise. Movie of the year wise. Well, my mind. Oh, yeah. that's what Moody means? Sweep us up. It's Elliot. Oh, from my e. God. E. Really? Yes, that's guys. Elliot from E.T.? Wow. Am I, am I right that he's in the dad in Hunting of yes. Hill House and he's in all of. Not the important part. The important okay, part is what sure, I say. Elliot. Sure, he's sure. Elliot from e. But I just didn't realize this kid kept acting. Uh huh. Good for him. And, like, I don't know. Like, I. I'm on record on this show saying that Elliot is one of the best performances of all time. Uh, handsome guy, like even with his bad, mm, they sure, dyed yeah. the hair red as bad as the accents were. Like it all looked, everybody looks like an Energizer battery. Uh, but yeah, he should have he should have had a more of a career. Yeah, you know, I'm glad he Henry found... Thomas two first names. What Henry Thomas two first names? You need at least three, right, to really soar in Hollywood. Henry Thomas Henry. And a very boring character mm. in this. Also loves Cameron Diaz, so betrays. Everybody, because he's the jilted yeah. lover. Okay, but then it's like I'm sorry, and everyone's like, "Yeah, we know you're sorry. We're yeah, sorry." Yeah, man, too. don't worry about it. I just I met an exciting new person from far away, and I wanted to take them into my life and see if I could rediscover some <laughs> magic. I don't know. That's my whole thing. We've been recording the show for so long that I don't remember if we brought this up, but I remember one of the big deals when this movie came out. Uh, and you guys will stop me if we already brought this up, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, do you guys remember when Atonement came out and it was like some people liked it, some people didn't? But that fucking Ferris wheel scene with the, yeah. like the big long take all around. Oh yeah, you did not bring this up, and I don't know what you're talking about. There's a scene where people get off. It's a it's a oneer, probably with some digital effects yeah, helping out. 
But it's a wonder where uh, Irish people get off the boat, uh, take some cabbage to the face. Yeah. Um, are told get drafted directly into the <laughs> army. Yeah, go right into a line where they get drafted. Uh, are put the a uniform gets put on them. They're handed a gun and they get onto a different boat, saying, "Well, I hope I'm I like this war." <laughs> and then uh, the wonder continues, and yeah. caskets come off the boat, and mm. this rings so false to me. Oh, this, it did it here too. This rings so like you are trying hard to be an O2 auteur. Yeah, yeah. I just like I should. You should not, as the viewer, be actively deciphering the scene as mm. it's presented to you. I really think that there is something that kind of turns your stomach as the viewer when rather than a scene washing over you and then later upon reflection, you're like, oh, I get what they were doing there. When as the scene is unfolding, you're like, oh, they're getting off one boat uh, and they're getting on another one. Th- and yeah. you already kind of know what the next thing is going to be, which is that you're going to see coffins coming off this boat. I don't know. It's Boo. like, yeah. It's so you're so saying you're better than Scorsese. In that, that moment, think, in that moment, you feel like you're reading the cliff notes of the movie that, rather than seeing the movie. That's the perfect point because uh, bad Scorsese is like – or good Scorsese is like you're not going to get it until the third time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad Scorsese is like watch it 20 years ago. That's the only way you're going to like the movie is if you watch it 20 years ago and you only have memories of what Walk you like. Walk through it while your neighbor's over for some reason on your couch and you'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> Speed round. Taste buds, how nervous are you that a bunch of drunk Irish firefighters are going to bust into the studio right now as we record? Those, oh man, I, th- I love those guys. There's so many different versions of Deus Ex Machina, <laughs> but the most fun <laughs> is drunk, angry gang of firefighters. The, look, every scene needs 40 drunk firefighters to come in, but there's no better scene than when two groups of firefighters <laughs> kick the shit out of each other Dude, instead of solving the fire. Do you know historically that has been like true going back to the beginning of time that like fire companies have been these like private kind of mm-hmm. gangs and that they don't like each other? Man, they're probably so happy that we all hate cops right now instead of firefighters. Well, I have to say modern day firefighters are just cops. They are so that has they put like they have unified so oh, tightly. Man. Yeah. Should we start a private one? The three of us? Yes. Dude, why and not? just beat yeah. the shit out of the local city firefighters. Oh, no. That would be a good fight, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've seen their calendar. I don't think they're up to snuff this year. This is a star-studded lineup from a time when stars mattered. How does the ensemble hold up today, and are they overshadowed by DDL like everybody in every other movie he's ever been in? Uh, uh, Brendan Gleeson aside, this is a career-worst performance from everybody in the movie. Have have you ever seen Jay Leno's garage? It's a bunch of amazing cars <laughs> that just sit there and never get to experience life. That is this fucking Greg. movie, dude. It is. I could not. You like look out there and everyone you've ever liked is in this movie doing the worst job they've ever done. I, I think this is why like Brendan Gleeson is. A, wait, is that his name? Is that what uh-huh. you said? Brendan Gleeson is, is amazing and has been forever. And people are starting to finally notice. And, the, and this he's movie still coasting. Proves it. He's coasting, but, but like, crushing everybody else. Because he's the mercenary in real life. He's the actor who's like, yeah. I'll, I'll do yeah. this, Marty, for like, but you got to pay me. I don't give a shit about <laughs> this. Yeah. Everybody else is like, I'm working with Marty. Oh, my God. Yeah. And he's just like, it's a job. <laughs> uh, John C. Riley, who like, we're this is the O2 season, and we're doing 54 movies. Uh-huh. So we're going to see John's, like 30 John C. Riley movies, oh, which yeah. is cool. Love it. But in this movie, he's like, yeah, I'll walk around the set for four days. I get sure. with Marty. And this is why I think... Like, I've come around a lot on Leo, and I do think that he has some amount of range. This is why I didn't think that in the past. Like, well, he was a kid. By the way, was Cameron Diaz in this movie already too old to be real-life Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, as we said, there's a version of this movie that is just over three hours. How many more firefighter fights are in that extra 20 minutes? 
30 or 40, probably. Yeah. yeah. It's mostly firefighter fights. It's weird because I, like, I'm interested in the four-and-a-half-hour version, but, like, there's no way he did it, right? There's no way that you, by adding things back into this movie, you're, you you make a better film. Well, like, that, like, the Leo voiceover being gone. Like, the, things like that. Blade Runner me. theory. But, like, it's still, yeah, it's it's going to be clear that he didn't care about right. characters. Like, I'm he so just... excited that we're going to do adaptation this uh, year. Because, yeah. honestly, I've always reflected on that line, and God help you if you use voiceover. Mm-hmm. But now that we've done this show for a while, I get it. If you really love movies, you want messages to be communicated through the entire, like, toolbox of film, not when one character's like, I'm going to hop on the mic real <laughs> yeah, quick. Yeah, not even a character saying it to down. another character. Yeah. What is there? I would love to know. There has to be, right? A movie that uses it well. Ryan, you're our Goodfellas. movie guy. Yeah, Goodfellas. I mean, Goodfellas fucking makes it fun. Over rocks, yeah. Yeah, and but like that's based on a book that he did not care about mm. and wrote the movie that he wanted based on the things, the stories he yeah. wanted to tell. You know, uh, and then Casino, I think, is a again a lesser version of that. Uh, I also think too, like. I'm just, I don't know. I'm very interested in the uh, idea of adaptation, like all the things that go into it. Maybe Marty's feeling on this book makes him the least, like you, Greg, you started the movie White Noise. Yes. And Bobak is a obsessed, like lover uh-huh. of it. Don't make that movie, right. dude. You can't love the thing from afar. Right. And somebody else who has a different story to tell can right. use White Noise to tell that story, you know? Yeah, but if you get so close to it, you, you it like, you don't have interesting takes on it right. anymore. You just love it. Yeah, you need more than just like um, celebrating it. You're a little kid being like, here's this Pokemon, and I yes. love him because he does this. Who should have adapted the Gangs of New York book? Who should have adapted White Noise? It's Zack Snyder. Those would have been amazing. <laughs> Hashtag resnore the real Snyderverse. <laughs> Say resnore. Resnore. <laughs> uh, is this movie skeptical of democracy in a way that's prescient, a way that is 2002 as funk, or in a way that is timeless? I, again, think that Scorsese is, like, America's fucked up, but I love it so much. And, like, that whole, is it Tammany Hall? Yeah. That's a that's a movie on its own, yes. right? But they're played like rascals. Like, th- look at these rascals playing around with shaving it. the guys and making them vote again, and they're our heroes. This movie did make me think, though, as also current Congress does, how did we get to be a country? Like, <laughs> that's We're so fucking crazy. Bunch of bumblefucks. Well, a bunch of men like Billy the Butcher, and nobody wants to hear this, but a bunch of men put on their like blue striped hat, jumped out there and made this country what it is today. Gentlemen, the final question: Is this movie's actual point that Irish brogues sounded radically different than they do today? <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he's like, no, nobody knows it, but back then Irish brogues were a completely different sounding thing. Yeah, how many Irish actors auditioned for this movie and Scorsese was like, no. Get, what is that voice you're doing? What are you even Get out doing? of here. Do you think that's, and I wish I knew his name because he's a good actor, uh, Al Capone from Boardwalk Empire. Boardwalk Empire. Do you think that's why he's not allowed to talk in this movie because he actually did a good one? And they're like, <laughs> no, no, sir. Can't have you showing everybody up. Uh, I can sh- To do it is just like uh, get rid of all words in your mind and just go, nobody hot to talk in this movie. Not even once. Not a one. Uh, normally we take a break and we come back. We're not going to do that. Uh, we, I'm, I know we've done a worse movie than this. <laughs> I'm certain of it, but I am struggling to figure it out. Uh, what would, I want recommendations. If you want I, some kernel of this, what should people watch instead, Greg? I'm going to say the Irishman. 
Uh, Irish is a movie that lets itself be very long. I feel like there is a take. It makes the hero of the, it makes the center of the movie um, an extremely morally questionable guy. Um, and it gets in there and isn't doesn't shy away from the tough questions. Here's mm. a guy who basically does what he's told his entire career and loses everything, um, but is ultimately really good at shooting people in the head. Uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. And Painting houses with that blood. <laughs> I just think it's like uh, more complicated and and interesting, and yet it's still about the uh, Irish gangster experience. He had so much to say, you know, and you would think mm-hmm. like this what eighty year old filmmaker who's made thirty movies is out, right? Like, but he had so much to say, and that's another example of a Scorsese movie that. Uh, what are we what are we looking at? Like three and a half hours. Yeah, and I've probably seen it three times, and the first time I was like. All right, mm-hmm. Marty, you did it again. And then the second time, I was like, "This is one of his best of all time." And yeah. the third time is just like, put it on like it's an aquarium. Like yeah, yeah, it's just, just stare, so good. Jaw yeah. drop. I've seen you in an aquarium. You were baffled by fishes. <laughs> I just I want an aquarium so where they're flying around in what? there. What? What's that goo? <laughs> very old fish are CGI to look like very young fish that are kicking <laughs> other fish. And it looks real until they run. So are you just doubling down? Yours is also the Irishman. No, I have a different one. Please tell me. There is a movie that was a popcorn. I don't know if it was like a hit hit, but it was hit ish. Popcorn movie with DDL. He was maybe at some point going to be like a lead box office mm-hmm. star. And he was in a movie version of the old school book, The Last of the Mohicans. Oh, oh yeah. yeah! <laughs> not, James Fenimore Cooper. Not only is he in this movie, but it's directed by, I think, the very misunderstood Michael Mann, who is mostly known oh. for Heat. A movie that I think is fine, but he also made Collateral and Manhunter, the original Brian Cox, mm-hmm. Hannibal Lecter movie. Fuck all, I'll eat you. There, yeah, <laughs> that was him. Um, and uh, at some point in this movie, Daniel Day Lewis says, uh, "Stay alive, no matter what occurs, I will find you." Yep. But this is—it's uh, sort of rousing, and it's old school, mm. and it's not him saying, "Hey, all other cast members, get away from me for the <laughs> entire shoot, so I can become." The Last of the Mohicans. It's just a fucking... It's just a good epic. It's just a badass, cool movie. Yeah, it's him like running through the tall grass with a tomahawk and yeah. just murking fools. It's like a, an uncomplicated look at violence. Yes. <laughs> Which is... Oh, they all should be. Violence rules. Uh, mine is that is uh, Leo is doing well. Scorsese is doing well. It's just a popcorn fun. I th- It really feels like, after watching this, that it's a redo. Scorsese went, no, I, I can do the story of a guy not knowing whose side he's on better. It's The Departed. The Departed fucking rules... And it's it is just this movie, but in the nineties. I have not seen the film Shutter Island. I like Shutter Island, but I have like aside from that, I think that Scorsese's replacement of De Niro with DiCaprio has not gone well for me. I mm-hmm. do not think any of them are good. I bet he likes working with DiCaprio, but maybe that's the problem. Maybe you shouldn't work with somebody you like. It's so it, much. it's like his book, The Gangs. <laughs> He's like, I love this kid so much. It's better for box office too. Like yeah. he is probably the number one star. Uh, but like I think that the Aviator is overrated. I think oh, that yeah. The Departed is overrated. I think that uh, Wolf of Wall Street is overrated. No. And then in the meantime, Silence. I was gonna say, do you know what movie great. fucks? Silence. Yeah, I wish he worked with Andrew uh, Garfield and. What's the Adam Driver. Adam Driver more often? That movie fucking rules. If Andrew or Adam was in Wolf of Wall Street, that'd be insane. I'm in. <laughs> but I believe that Leo could win over a bunch of people and turn them into a cult. Adam Driver, they'd walk in and be like, "Well, this guy's gonna kill us all." <laughs> <laughs> 
I just I, maybe I don't like Leo as I much as I think. You, like, you don't. I, I just think everyone in around him acts circles around him. What is that? Uh, Wolf of Wall Street is Jonah, Jonah Hill, and Margot Robbie, and they're, uh-huh. they destroy yeah. him in that movie. Yeah, I, I don't like know. Maybe movie. his reputation precedes him a little bit. He's just been handsome for so long. All right, well, that is the show. You know what? We were right. This should not have been in the bracket. This yep. would be yeah. decimated by literally everything. We were totally everything. right. We were totally right. Uh, and if you like this movie, reach out to us. Tell me why. Unfaithful is a better movie than this. Yeah. Is that the our last, last episode? Yeah. Uh, we are about to take a long-ass break from 2002. After this, you will hear us talk about the best albums of 2022, the best TV comedies of 22, the best TV dramas of 22, 22 mixtape, and of course, the only one that matters, the best movies of 2022. Best months of 2022? Best months. You know what I loved? February. I was going to say March. Shit. They're very close. Yeah. I had a great July myself. Yeah? Yeah? That's my birthday. It's his birthday. Oh, that is your birthday. I had a rough July. I'm going to be honest. Because of Craig's birthday? (laughs) It was Craig's birthday. I got depressed. It wasn't my (laughs) birthday anymore. (laughs) But until then, keep watching those movies. Hola, Filterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, You can pay for ryan to draw you a picture Uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on bandcamp he's on spotify uh soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music Check him out.